0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, boundaries, romance, Tinder, and an anonymous Butch listener comes on the show to respond to advice I doled out. But first, a rant about ageism, our and comics. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters. Hello from Los Angeles. I'm coming to you this morning from the Sagittarian Matters studio because I got really riled up about ageism and misogyny in comics today. Um, I need to tell you what a couple of things are in case you are not already a comics nerd SPX is a small press expo that happens it's like a big comics convention for underground cartoonists that happens in Baltimore every year and the Ignatz Awards is the award ceremony it's just an industry award that happens at that convention and it's kind of a big deal if you win it it's a nice thing um so at the convention this year uh, ben Passmore, the author of Your Black Friend, which is an excellent comic I recommend you order, was giving a speech and he mentioned something about something disparaging about our crumb and um, that time of comics being passed and when he said the word our different people in the audience were like boo, boo, boo and then afterwards Carol Tyler um, who's Carol Tyler went up and she was the MC of the night and she said, she said, Oh, R. Crumb was the first person to ever publish me or something like that. Okay. So all of that happened. If you're inquiring with me, your podcast host about how I feel about R. Crumb, I think that he's racist, misogynist trash. Who's been given a pass for a very, very long time because he's so great at drawing He's so great at drawing. Let him draw something totally racist. Let him draw raping a nun. Let him let him fuck a severed head. You know, he's just a wonderful draftsman. I just I don't think that that's appropriate anymore. I don't think it was appropriate then. I don't think it's appropriate now. Um, And I resent that we are still made to bow, you know, bow at the the throne of somebody who's just a great draftsman who is essentially like Woody Allen of comics. Uh, except for the fact that he's married to an adult and not his own child anyway um so that happened this weekend kudos to ben for doing that kudos to people for booing him that made news in comics and then some old some older white guys like durf said oh well i don't you guys you can't boo crumb he's so important and then People like um, Spike Trotman said, well, you know, for me, it's actually pretty nice knowing I can go to a comic book shop without seeing, I can't remember what crumbs racist characters named Angel Food McCade, without seeing an Angel Food uh, chocolate bar at the register, which is, Google it or not. Anyway, okay, so all that happened. And then today on Twitter, a young person tweeted, old people need to get out of comics. And then she tweeted, Carol Tyler was a bad choice of MC for the Ignatz Awards. I'm paraphrasing. Um, this got my hackles up. Why did it get my hackles up? Well, you know, somebody doesn't need, your, need to be your political twin sister to earn your respect. You don't need to be the same person in order to respect each other, especially in public. Carol Tyler, Trina Robbins... Lee Mars, Roberta Gregory, Alison Bechtel. There's a lot of women cartoonists, feminist cartoonists, and queer cartoonists who worked very, very, very hard to fucking crowbar the comic store open so that even, not even talking about really queer, gender queer people, even just women, even just people that were not straight white men, These people worked very hard to assert their space in comics in the first place. And so if you are a queer person or a woman and you're sitting at a small press expo, that 67-year-old who's standing up there saying, you know, Crumb gave me my first opportunity, that person is the reason that you get to sit there. I mean – I don't even I don't know how to say it except for these people worked very hard to kick the door open and they did not receive the amount of benefits that you could receive if you follow in their exact footsteps because those benefits didn't exist at that time. And Carol Tyler, being 67 years old, has passed the age of what an appropriate age for a woman should be to be in public. Carol Tyler is still in comics and she's not like You know, people don't think of her as like a cute puppy, like Linda Berry, and people don't respect her like a crone. People are like, who's that? Who's that lady? Like young people, I've been there been like, who's that lady? And you're like, that lady's been drawing comics for 40 years, and she continues to come to these fucking conventions and peddle her wares of her very, very hard work. And I just, to diss her in public for not immediately agreeing with the exact thing you were saying at that exact moment, to me, feels like a huge disservice. I feel like these people kick the door open for us. It is time for us to hold the door for them. And if that means you approaching a person and having a private conversation with them, if that means you extending your hand, try to see where they're coming from, try to let them know where you're coming from, instead of you going to your public forum full of young people and saying... This person shouldn't even be allowed to exist in this art form. It's just, I think it's preferable to try and have a one-on-one conversation with somebody over roasting them in public. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, but what if we all took a break from criticizing women for one day? What if we took a break from criticizing women in public for one day? What would that even look like? If women were not a laughingstock for one day, that would be incredible, um, can you still have problems with women? Certainly. Can you take them up in a different way than roasting them in a public forum? Yes, you can. Anyway, that was that was my soapbox for the day. So I think our crime is trash, and I also think Carol Tyler is a comics pioneer. Carol Tyler also recommended some, at some point that this person or that young people read um, Binky Brown, which was one of the first autobiographical graphic novels. I think it's valuable. I don't. I don't think you have. I I read Binky Brown and I've read R. Crumb, and I think it's valuable for me to know the history. It's valuable for me to know what women, queer people, people of color before me went up against, so that I know the ground I'm standing on. I know where I came from, and I know what to, what I'm fighting against. That it's not just a concept I'm fighting against. Like I actually have seen the things, and like Binky Brown. It is, it's, a, it's one of the first confessional comics. Is it on my recommended reading list for students or anyone else? Absolutely not. But did I find value in reading it? I did. And also I get, I get a little excited reading comics from the 70s that are obviously put together by hand without the use of computers. That's one of my favorite things and styles. Anyway, um, so please respect that women, queer people, people of color in comics have been through a lot. Your elders may not be perfect, but they're still valuable. And I want to say, Fun Home didn't even win the fucking Ignats when it came out, okay? That wasn't that long ago. That wasn't that long ago that Fun Home came out. It was like 12 years ago that Fun Home came out. It was not even nominated for an Ignatz until queer historian Justin Hall made them nominated for an Ignatz, and then it didn't even win. Like, you still don't actually see most queer cartoonists that are over a certain age anywhere involved in the convention system. So like, you know, millennials who feel like it's just so wonderful that SBX cares about you, comics culture didn't always care about you. Even as recently as 10 years ago, They didn't give a shit about giving attention to women, queer people and people of color, unless you were like the chosen three that there was a spot for any space that you're taking up has been created for you by people going to these fucking shitty dude fests and wedging a space that was more feminist inclusive. So just like give them a fucking break and have a conversation with them before you roast them online. Um, End of rant. But also, the fight isn't over. We're still not allowed everywhere. We're still not respected everywhere. I still, when I was trying to Google the name of Ben Passmore to make sure that's who roasted crumb, I saw like there was like a 4chan board that was like, oh, crumb is the best person in the world. So we still have work to do. Let's do it in a way that's productive, that doesn't tear other women down, and that doesn't feed into the culture's idea that older people are obsolete and not actually like hard workers pioneers and incredibly smart people that just happen to have sustained their practice and you know have a lot of resolve anyway that's it goodbye and now for something completely different a show about romance and joy Anonymous Butch, thank you for joining me on Sagittarian <laughs> Matters.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Nicole.
0: <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you today because we were having a conversation, apropos of nothing, you told me that I gave you some good advice. And I want listeners to know, sometimes that is not the case. Sometimes, sometimes a friend asks me for advice and I say, you absolutely should not date that person, and then... Uh, 12 years later, egg on my face. (laughs) They are life partners with a child.
1: I mean, maybe they just did it to spite you.
0: You know, some people don't like to be wrong. Spite, spite can be a powerful thing. Um, you know, another time I was at a college and somebody came up to me and said, Hey, you gave me advice a couple years ago and it wasn't good. (laughs) I said, (laughs) I said, well, you weren't legally bound to take it. (laughs) They said, you told me not to date my best friend's ex-girlfriend. And I said, I stand by that advice. And they said, but we've been dating for nine months. And I said, ah, I still stand by the advice. (laughs) (laughs) There's no, you're not legally bound to take anything. I tell you, but, but somebody asked this week about Tinder. So that's really been the topic of the day. And I did give you some advice about your Tinder profile. You did.
1: Um, there was, so I think that you, so you first directed me to reframe my profile to be less, um, of a joke.
0: I think okay. in general. Can you describe it pre?
1: So okay. So I'm a little goofy. I may have I may have played that up a okay. bit more than is uh, uh, useful in finding a romantic partner. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> what are we talking about so, when we talk about the goof?
1: Um, so like leading with what I still stand by as being one of the best <laughs> quotes of all time, uh, a, a classic by baseball player Tug McGraw from when he got, like, a huge raise at the time for a baseball player. And they said, what are you going to spend it on, Tug? And he said, 90% I'll spend on women, good times, women, and whiskey, and the other 10% I'll probably waste.
0: Yeah, absolutely not. No.
1: <laughs> I, I, I still lead on Instagram with that quote. You
0: do? Yeah. It feels very alcohol forward. Yes. It's very, very strong with the alcoholic step forward. <laughs> and uh, and just being referred to as women. Just like <laughs> like, hey, you could, if you swipe on this person, you could be lumped in as... Women, she'll buy you something. Maybe I might
1: spend ninety percent of my money on you while while drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: which yeah, I just felt like you were attracted. That was attracted the wrong kind of attention. Yeah. To quote everyone's parents, you know, it's just the wrong kind of attention. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to quote every teacher I had, she just wants attention. Don't give it to her.
0: Okay, so so you had that quote. I had that
1: quote. I had a, I had a few photos that I was surprised that you had had took issue with. So, uh... You with the Star Wars cutout? He wasn't a cutout. He was 3D. It was a 3D R2-D2. I would never have put, a, like, a cardboard cutout. I, mean, I have standards.
0: Um, <laughs> when I, Today you were like, that's real... That was R2-D2. That was a real R2-D2. Yeah. He, like, moved around and beeped and
1: everything. He had a stormtrooper with him.
0: <laughs> it may as well have been a cutout. On Tinder? No? T- so cool. I, I, t- this is the wrong kind of attention. It's just...
1: Um. Yeah. So that one, and then the other one that you said, um, it was the one where I had gone to the Newsies musical, and I had <laughs> dressed up as a Newsie. Oh no! Which I thought was quite charming, and um, you thought that the suspender Newsies hat, uh, big goofy grin look was a little played out in the uh, butch <laughs> lesbian world.
0: It is very difficult in Portland, Oregon, especially, <laughs> which is not where you live. Portland, Oregon, it is very hard to throw a rock without finding a tinder butch with a flat cap, a bow tie, and suspenders. Mm -hmm. And it just felt like it wasn't representative of what you personally wear on a day-to-day basis, what you would wear on a date. Maybe not. What you would wear when trying to woo someone into making love to you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I also had a a, a picture of me standing in front of a a waterfall uh, positioned just uh, with my (laughs) head back so it looked like I was drinking the whole waterfall.
0: I feel like we're going to get a lot of listener feedback of people saying, this person sounds great. I want to see a picture of hot butch with an R2D2 and a Newsies outfit.
1: Call me at 202-555-1234.
0: And drinking an entire waterfall. Okay. So, so, you know, maybe once, maybe there was a minute where I was like, you know, anonymous butch friend, like, do, do we want to lead with like, you know, acts of strength and character play? Mm-hmm. not sure. But so then what, so then what, how did it change? And I, I don't want people to think that I pushed you into this cause I don't, I don't care one way or the other.
1: Um, I, well, I think that at the time I was like, geez, Louise dating's hard. <laughs> These people out here, I just don't see eye to eye with them. What am I, what's happening? And then, uh, and then over, I believe it was Ethiopian food when you were in town and, uh, and we went through and, uh, updated my Tinder profile together. Um, since those updates, I, I have met a couple of really fantastic people who've been very nice and not alcoholics. Wonderful. Um, and I, uh, I've, I've actually mentioned to both of them what my Tinder profile used to look like and have sort of quizzed them on, like, so what do you think of that? And they've been like,
0: Ooh, I'm not sure I would have gone out with you. Is that true? Yeah. What did you replace these things with? So what are we, how can we make this into a oh. lesson?
1: Oh gosh. I would have to like, I, well, life is going so well. I've deleted the Tinder app. So one, my
0: hat's off to you.
1: Yeah. Um, so I think I like, I replaced it with an actual sort of earnest, but with maybe a little bit of goofiness, like, mm-hmm. like, so, like the things that I enjoy, like, you know, Black coffee, complicated board games, and bad TV.
0: These things are all true.
1: It's very true. It's very
0: true. And also you have like a very adult job. You have mm-hmm. very adult responsibilities. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. And I put in there like that I'm like co-parenting with like other like good factual information for people to have about me and my life and what I might be like as a person to go out with. I know that was hard to add in and not just like stick with the like goofy shtick. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that's actually helped me date a more sort of. Serious, dateable universe of people.
0: Not someone who's going, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, walk a walk And but uh, I just want to say the piece of resistance. I feel like we set this up and I can't remember how, but you washing a car. Oh, God. You, yeah. you know, you, you've been doing some CrossFit, you're looking a little buff, you're wearing a tank top, glasses off, a oh little sweaty. Goodness. little sweaty hair flopping in the face, squinting in the sun, yeah. leaning, yeah, I remember, I remember flexing, that. leaning over a Toyota Prius yeah. or some other such glamorous car, <laughs> just uh, zinging it up, Ooh, long strokes. And I took some pictures of that. And you put one of them up for a minute. The R2-D2 picture bumped that one out of first position. And I was mm. not thrilled about that choice. But the, I think the car washing one did end up staying on your Tinder profile. Yes.
1: Yes, it did. It took R2-D2 out. Um, yeah, especially because you couldn't tell that I was smiling out of just sheer embarrassment of uh, of, of Nicole walking around me being like,
0: yeah, wash that car, <laughs> daddy. Wash I it. I forgot daddy.
1: <laughs> you called me daddy. Ew.
0: <laughs> Pappy. crazy. <laughs> If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. We'll hear more from Anonymous Butch about dating and boundaries a little later in the show. Right now resident witch, Sagittarius birthday twin, and series regular Brandi Taylor joins me in the studio for a little romantic advice about online dating. You can find Brandi at magichourastrology.com. Brandi Taylor, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters.
2: Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here.
0: You were just telling me, so I am wearing a green shirt, and I'm drinking a green can of key lime LaCroix, not to be too on the nose about my place in the world, but I am drinking Lacroix. Um, you really like key lime. I'm. A, I'm. The jury is still out. I'm making a decision right now about how I feel.
2: I think. Well, number one, it also really matches your color story. Your colorway right now is really on point. And I would describe key lime LaCroix as like the most soft, bubbly, citrus like. Early morning birthday cake for breakfast, sweet, delicious flavor.
0: My God. See, I love it. with all of that in my mind, I feel like I can give it another go. Yeah. Because I had one can and I was like, oh, this is a little queer. Should I take this back to the store
2: or keep going? We're, a little queer is a little great.
0: I need to tell you that today I got. To my hiking spot with the dog and realized I hadn't brought a harness. And so I (laughs) MacGyvered a harness out of a snowman leash that was snowman. All of
2: your frolicking in the bushes, you forgot your harness?
0: Yes, I forgot. But so then I was, (laughs) I was wishing that I had been more involved in an SM scene in which I was, you know, made to read a book about knots or take a class <laughs> as I was trying to rig up this harness without choking the dog to death. Yeah. I feel like that would have paid if off. If
2: only you would have read some Mistress Midori, like, easy Japanese knot bondage like I did in the early
0: 2000s. See, I feel like if you were there, you could have pulled out some of those skills and been like, here you go.
2: Yeah. It it's basically goes to waste, like, tying something from Ikea to the top of my car.
0: Well, I worked at the feminist bookstore, so we had all of those books, but I just, it just was not my, it was not my purview. So I just didn't read them. I hear you. (laughs) See, so now I could be like, I could be bungeeing stuff to my car. I could be just getting a rope, putting some Ikea stuff on top of my car, making a harness for the dog out of anything.
2: You could be making your own grocery bags. (laughs) <laughs> or your own, like, you know, crocheted cardigans, you know, going all out. But also, don't, limit, don't limit yourself.
0: I think it would be handy to have you on a boat also. If you had done all these SM knots, I feel like, you know, I mean, if I, if I don't have the choice of having a real seaman on the boat because I don't really know any or not that many sailors, it's more likely that I would have someone know, knowledgeable in rope bondage.
2: Oh, yeah, it's also good to have any other Sagittarian with you on a trip.
0: <laughs> by land,
2: by air, by sea.
0: Because we have a good attitude and we're...
2: That's right. And, you know, if we don't know the knots, we could probably just, like, figure it out. It's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and even if the boat if it didn't work and the boat was sinking, we'd be like, we tried our best. We tried our best. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Brandy, we have a couple of advice questions before we talk about Dream and Terp. Okay. The first one is... Do you have any Tinder tips for a novice? Do you have any rules of thumb?
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, first off, I want to say that I have not been on the Tinder. I've not been single when Tinder has been around and in my town. But I have been on the OkCupid. So I can speak to, like, OkCupid, which could be passe at this time. Okay, so I know that that's the truth. And the number one tip I have for people on OkCupid is to answer those fucking questions. I, I know they seem daunting, people. I know it seems like a trivia or like a pop quiz, but it's extremely helpful. And the questions you need to ask are the ones that are, like, really pertinent. Like, the number one question you have to answer is... Do you want to be the one tied up or do the tying? <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it just is like, that's a thing you really need to know. And it tells you a lot about if you might be compatible, right? Also, like, do you want kids or blah, blah, blah. Like Those things are great, too. Do you but enjoy
0: racist humor? Yeah. no. Oh, my God. That's a question. One of the questions is like, someone makes a racist joke at a party. Do you say something?
2: oh my god it's like well, in the tone that of the question too to weed out some dicks please yeah
0: um
2: but the questions are really helpful and i will say this i love answering questions i love a quiz i love a trivia so i just went like hog wild on the questions and um the, my percentage like the algorithm matches basically with other people were extremely um right on for instance my fiance. We were friends for a long time before we were lovers and we were both on OkCupid single at the same time and we would send funny DMs back and forth laughing because we were both 99% compatible. We were like, "Haha, we're just friends." Isn't this a funny algorithm? But it's fucking true.
0: Well, okay, Tinder's much more simple. You okay. have One shot, like you have one small paragraph or collection of sentences to describe yourself and just photos. So I want to say my photo tips are don't wear your fucking sunglasses in most of your photos. That doesn't tell anyone what you look like. You could take those off and be a cyclops. I don't know. No, (laughs) no, no offense, cyclops. I mean, Ponyo is practically a cyclops, but, um, you know, it just people want to be able to see your eyeballs and also – Accurately portray your gender. I I feel like, Panyo, I already mentioned that you have one eye and it's fine, okay? You don't need to bark. Jesus. Um, I'm advocating for you. Stop. But sometimes people, their first picture, they'll look like very andro, a little bit butch, tomboy. You get three pictures in, it all falls apart. Mm. Three pictures in, they're wearing a prom dress. So. I mean, if that's like, if you're showing the the breadth of your gender expression and you want to show that you're all things, great. But if you're, I just feel like limit it to the best pictures you can. Once people go over four pictures, it usually falls off, goes off the rails. Usually then like something weird happens in the pictures after a few where you're like, oh, no, this one just showed me something I didn't want to see.
2: Yeah, it's like if you have like a glamour shot. For a to glamour shots, people, way pre filters. If you have a glamour shot as your first photo and the next one you're just like your normal self, you know, that's not really representational of you, right? And also, just don't go too fancy with like the filters and the bunny ears or the whatever else on your main pick because that's just, you only got 30 seconds or what are 10 seconds or not even like
0: one second. One second.
2: Okay, one second. You want to just get, like, it's a, it's a straight-up yes or no read. And if it's an intrigue, then they can scroll and, like, look more about you, right? So don't, don't waste that one second with, like, a weird, arty filter that doesn't actually look like you.
0: I mean, I got to say, from when I was living in a small town, um, sometimes, a lot of times people, their main picture would have them, like, holding a beer and smoking a cigarette. And I just feel like that was, like, like a 15-year-old's idea of, like, what a badass what a badass adult's interests would be. But as an onlooker, I was like, is Corse light that important to you? I don't know if we have anything in common. And so I yeah. would just be like, left. See ya. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and also, um, I think it's, like, if there's enough for you to be like, hmm, this person's cute, and, like, there's some intrigue there. Also, just, you know, if you're dating, just take a risk. And just try a reach out. You'll know pretty soon within like a few messages or even one message. If the person's a yay
0: or a nay. Yeah. And take a risk. Take a risk. And, um, you know, uh, what else do I want to say? I mean, if this person may not be queer, they may be straight. In which case I say pr- protect thyself and really be picky. Like sometimes I feel like in those situations where you're on a website, it's a little bit like when you're at a thrift store. And the thrift store, like nothing's very good in the thrift store. So you find one thing that's better than the other things in the thrift store. And you're like, oh, my God, this is the best thing. And then you get it out into the light of day against Uh your normal stuff. And you're like, ew, what is it? You're like, oh, it was the best couch at that place. But it's not actually the best couch for me. Mm -hmm. Not to say that people are a thrift store. I mean, as someone who's done online dating, I've been part of that thrift store. But, you know, it's kind of like when I was at Catholic school, everyone had wear a uniform. And if people even had Converse on, I'd be like, We're kin. We have something very deep in common. But like sometimes it was just some dork that was wearing converse. It didn't mean we have something culturally in common. So, you know, swipe, swipe away. It's not, you don't owe anyone anything on there. Um, You know, if you match, you don't have to write them if you change your mind. But, um, you know, do the swiping, step away. Consider if you met them in the wild away from the bogs of online dating, if you would. Actually, be interested in talking to them. That's good advice. That's some advice because I, I just, it does get a little bit, you know, if you're gay and you're on there and you're looking for people with short hair, sometimes you're like, there's only 15 of these people, so I better. Yeah,
2: I, mean, I think I got like two DMs and I was nothing, Cupid.
0: Really? I mean,
2: I think I was like, I mean, I think nobody actually asked me out, not one person. And it was also like, I got a couple people who were interested and we just sort of talked a little bit and they were like, Actually, I'm not ready for a relationship, and I was like, "What the fuck? Are you on this app?" And then, um, and I'm ready to go to date right now. I was like, "Oh my god, what a waste of my time!" Oh my god, but well, I never actually had success with online dating, sadly. But I, I, my stint was small.
0: So. Yeah, yeah. I do want to say also, don't take it personally if people don't write you back, or if people stop writing you. You don't know them. They're a total stranger. You don't know what's going on in their life. They could have been, you know, broken up from their person, been on there for five minutes, gotten back together with them. They could have something else going on. They could have moved. They could have gone celibate. It's not personal. It's a total stranger. So if somebody doesn't write you back, don't worry about it. And also you don't have to feel compelled to write people back because you don't know them. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, including producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that is your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's Ponyo's voice. Have I ever given you, have you ever heard any other advice on the podcast that you have applied to relationships that's been helpful to you?
1: Um, yeah. So I, I have had like, um, maybe a pattern of, uh, meeting people and three weeks in being like, Oh my God, this is it. <laughs> it's the love of my life. Um, and I actually, there was a, uh, yeah, that name, Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, Jessica Lenato. Yeah. Psychic astrologer, yes, the astrologer, um, and she has a list of I can curse here, right? Mm-hmm. To podcast, you don't know a bitch until mm-hmm. um, I've adapted it a little bit for myself because a couple of them were about like getting in arguments and having like fights, and I don't, I'm very conflict averse, so I don't have many arguments, um, but I irritate the shit out of people, so I've replaced it with irritate until you irritate somebody, um, but things like until you've made made it through the a holiday season, whether you celebrate holidays or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Whether you've been sick, and they've been sick, and um, you've done... So for me, it's you've done something that irritates them, they've done something that irritates you. And sort of like, when you get through all of those different sort of scenarios where you're kind of not at your best, but being strained a little bit, and have uh, kind of decided like, hey, maybe I don't know if this is my uh, soulmate. Until I see how they react to, like, stressful situations. Or or until I see how I react to them when I'm in a stressful situation. Um, and, like, how do we work together when under duress? And so I think that that's been... That has been really helpful for me in sort of, like, having a more adult approach.
0: mm mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> You personally have some rules like you have guidelines Mm -hmm. a timetable for dating Mm -hmm. can you share with us your timetable for dating oh gosh well it's
1: yeah okay so some of it makes me feel like a grandpa that's Um, you're
0: in a very geriatric friendly space
1: okay okay good so i have i have a thing i i don't even even though i often or will frequently want to kiss on a first date i don't kiss on a first not even kissing
0: not even kissing this is wonderful (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, cause I feel like it just like jumps too quickly into like this like hormonal, like, uh, cause you know, like I, I don't generally go out with people that I don't find physically attractive from go. Right. Like I'm not like going out with somebody being like, I don't know, I'm a little repulsed, but let's see if their personality gets them over that. Right? I,
0: do, I do kind of do that.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, we all have our thing. Um, so I don't kiss on the first date. I don't, uh, sleep with anybody for the first, like, at least, like, a couple of weeks. Um, so I want to get through a few dates, um, before actually, like, taking the leap to
0: the, the physical. The bedroom. The bed. The boudoir. Have you had people try to push that and be like...
1: Yeah. I had somebody... I actually had... I was, like, on, like, a third date. and was, like, making out with somebody. I was like, this is nice. And then they are like... Uh, she said, oh yeah, like, I think she was like trying to be like sexy times. She was like, oh yeah, either you should leave or we're going to like have sex. And I was like, okay, I'll leave. <laughs> and it admittedly not the response that she was hoping for. And then she was like, I can make you stay. And then I was like, Ooh. and then I just never came back. Yeah. Um, cause I was like, you can make me do anything. And that's just. Hashtag rape culture. Um, <laughs> I was like, please no. Um, so just I don't know for anybody who's like trying to date anyone masculine of center, but who's still a woman, maybe don't tell them you can make them have sex with you. Like even like like maybe don't tell anybody actually. Even like n- male-identified people, think, cisgendered men. I'm gonna
0: say even a masculine of center, even a dyke, even a masculine of center cis
1: man. Like I don't tell you. anyone you can make them have sex because that's actually just not hot.
0: I just, I just feel like I hear the like, yeah, yeah. So, so okay. So you're, but you have, you have even more rules. I have even more rules. Um,
1: so I've actually, it used to be six months until I would let anyone meet my kid. That has been relaxed down to like a month or two.
0: What needs to happen for you to feel comfortable introducing um, what oh. Dr. Laura would call one of your bimbos well, to your bimbos. kid? Um,
1: well... I'm yeah. not saying this the, to disparage
0: any of the people that this anonymous person is dating. I'm just kidding.
1: Or to disparage good old Dr. Laura.
0: Or to discourage bimb- bimbos. Yeah. Which is a wonder—a very 80s term. I'm not even sure what it means. I'm not sure if it means, like, if it's, like, airhead, which uh-huh. was big in the 80s. Or if it means, like, oh, you're, I... you're sexy and I'm slut-shaming you. By the way, Dr. Yeah. Laura said if we can't slut-shame, then our society is falling apart. Oh. So she and I do... Divert paths.
1: Few, every once
0: in a while. Every once in a while. Every
1: once in a while. Anyway. Um, oh, so well. I have a delightful co-parent who is a close friend. We get along really well, and we have an agreement that before um, we introduce our son to anybody, uh, we introduce that person to you know. So my co-parent. To each other. Yeah. So we generally do. It's like a a, a dinner thing. And so, um, the last person that met my son, uh, we all. The, they met when the three of us went out and had dinner together. Um, and Mm -hmm. so that's worked out pretty well.
0: Does your co-parent have veto power?
1: Um, my co-parent has not veto power over my dating, but could be like, Hey, I think that person might be like an ax murderer. And so I don't feel comfortable. She can say, I don't feel comfortable with our son spending time with that person. And then I've agreed to respect that. And she's agreed to do the same with me. So, um, but I think that neither of us have ever exercised that power, but it's just sort of a like, Uh, We both feel like uh, he shouldn't be spending a lot of time with people that his other parent feels really uncomfortable with. Yeah. But it's kind of a nuclear option, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't throw that around lightly. It's not like, oh, you, you know, you didn't uh, send your half of the daycare bill in on time and therefore I'm going to veto
0: your date. Yeah. So okay so the the kid thing and then you have a thing about making plans with people.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Um I generally set a timeline of not making plans into the future more than the amount of time I've been dating somebody because just generally that has tended to backfire because I'll like spin out and be like, yeah, and five years from now we'll go to Italy and, uh, and like next year for our anniversary, we will go to, uh, to London and then like, you know, um, go see big Ben and this will be like on the second date and you know, and it's not great for me to make all these plans with somebody who I don't know that well yet. Why? Um, um but, be- because it's just not smart to plan to go to another continent with somebody who you don't even know what it's like to like get poor service at brunch with. <laughs> <laughs> right like there's just a degree of like you should know somebody a little better. Um, that said, I, I do like sort of like the idea of like taking a leap, but I've uh, I think I've jumped off enough cliffs.
0: Um, I say, you know, I, I don't know what your policy is on parents or like family. Mm -hmm. Do you have a policy on that?
1: Um, well I, I put family into the same, like it's well, six month bucket. So I say like, I shouldn't meet your parents. You shouldn't come meet like my mother or brother or anybody for at least six months.
0: I feel like in the past I have waved this rule away Mm -hmm. because I love parents I love parents. I love, I mean, you can imagine I love grandparents. Mm-hmm. I love meeting people's families. I love charming someone over 50. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. I'm always looking for surrogate family. New. I just love it. I love it. I love meeting anyone's family. So when I've dated people and they're like, want to meet my, my mom? I'm like, yes. Yeah. And also I like, I'm a Sagittarius. I'm like, I'm not afraid of a challenge. And I'm part I'm Capricorn, So I'm like, I'm not afraid of commitment. And so then I'll meet someone's, mother after dating them for one month and then get enfolded into the family structure and Mm -hmm. so then when we break up because the person ends up being a maniac it is all the more painful for me because i'm not breaking up with one person i'm breaking up with four people yeah you know and that that's the part that i think i think in my like weird my weird rebellious brain i'm like don't challenge me to not be committed. I'm so committed. But then yeah. I forget it's actually for my own emotional well being.
1: Yeah. And I found that, um, because I had for a while, like, I would go, like, I'd be going out with somebody for like three weeks and I'd be like, great, I want you to come home with me. I want you, like, very, very quickly. And then that's kind of a, I've gotten a little more careful with my friends and family's, like, emotional roller coaster that they're on, where I'm like, this new person, guys, this is it. And, like, I feel like there's only so many times that my, my people, like my pack can like take the like, "Uh uh-huh. That seems great. Like, like I just want to be like a little more like thoughtful and be like, if I want to take somebody to meet like people who are really important to me, I need to like take a little time and feel like this is actually like a really special person. This is somebody who's like, I think they're going to be around for a while and I want my people to know them. And I like can feel like I trust them to like, Still be here in a few years, right? Yeah. Or like that I'm not just like pulling people in and out of my friends' lives and be like,
0: be friends with this person, never mind. I, I mean I I feel that too because my friends are so much like my family to me that yeah. I don't want to bring, you know, every Tom Dick and Harry up into the group be like, everyone, pretend like anyone else you've met with me before doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Because here is a, you know, yeah whatever a butch person's name is screwdriver McGillicuddy (laughs) Uh, I have a different question for you which is do you have any kind of rules around social media and when you will integrate a date into your social media? Oh gosh This is a very 2018 question. It is, isn't it? Um, I feel like I would have a better answer if I
1: were like more on the millennial side of the cusp rather than the Gen X side of the cusp I don't I've not, since I've been, like, an active Facebooker, had, like, a Facebook girlfriend. Right? Like, I mean, I think, and in a weird way, I feel like that would be a really big step for me. Also, because, like, I've got, like, my, like, lesbian entourage of exes. Right? Like, all of these, like, so many close friends that are people that I've dated before that... Not me. Not not Nicole George's. Um, But that are just there's something about it that feels a little awkward to be like, because none of them are in my sort of like Facebook history as like a partner. And so it's not like a, I guess like it, it feels like because I've not done it, it's kind of a bigger deal, which is really weird because Facebook is not a big deal to me.
0: I feel like my Instagrammer would be six months, six months. That's my, you know, I have to say, I asked you some of these questions about your roles. Not only cause I love roles, but because I, I used to have a lot of really, Very, I think, Catholic based, Mm -hmm. Catholicism based, but also wisdom like yours, Um, you know, like from learning things through the school of hard knocks. I had all these rules where I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this on a first date. I'm not going to do this thing till the third date. I'm not going to do. And then the election happened. And after the election happened, I had a post apocalyptic feeling. I had a apocalyptic feeling for the first time in my entire life. And I was like, maybe nothing means anything. Maybe I'll be in an internment camp in two months, and I'm not going to care about my moral mountain of rightness that I'm sitting upon yeah. from having stayed chaste all this time. And so I was like, maybe nothing matters, and I can just do whatever I feel like doing. Yeah. So then I realized that I had no, I had no more rules, morals, or values.
1: Yeah. I also, I frequently feel like actually the reason. And actually more recently I've been open about my rules with people and I've actually found that, um, it's, it's hard to convey that the rules are not because I like really don't want to do these things and therefore I have the rules, but the rules are in place because I would so quickly do all of these things. I would so quickly jump to all of these things because I'm like so excited and like get really into a person. Um, and,
0: uh, you get high on the love drug. Yeah. You hit the oxytocin hard.
1: Ah love me some oxytocin
0: um the dangerous place to make decisions from
1: it is it is oh yeah that's why actually um, one of my rules that i don't i don't talk about that much because it feels a little like like that you can't you can't be in love with someone you've known less than three months
0: hey yo <laughs> and
1: that like and it doesn't mean like if you've known somebody for two months and you're really, really into them. Like you could be very much falling in love, but that it's just like that you, you need to know a person a little better than just a few weeks. Like that, um, cause otherwise I feel like it starts to like take some of the meaning out of it. Like if I could be in love with somebody and only have known them a couple of weeks, like then what does it take to be in love? Like how well do you really need to know somebody? Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a, another one of the rules.
0: I think that's a great cuz you're at that point you're infatuated with them and you're in limerence. Yeah. And your brain is being flooded with oxytocin. So you want to say every second want to be like, "I love you. I love yeah. you." But then that doesn't mean anything. Cuz then what if what happens if you know them for like a year and you have a moment where you're like, "I really admire this person. Yeah. I really respect this person and admire them." you know, I feel better when I'm around them. They show me new things about the world. There's not a word for that then because you use the fucking word after you knew them for five hours and you were like, I like the smell of your armpits. Like that's, it's just a different word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It sort of cheapens it, I guess. Yeah. It just makes like, if it's that easy, then it's like, yeah. And like, and I love almond milk lattes and I like, right. Like, like what don't you love? (laughs) So yeah, it, um, And now I've forgotten the thing that we were actually talking about. Have I
0: ever given you advice that was not correct?
1: Oh, I don't, I don't think so. God bless you, man. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember a time where I was like, Oh, Georges. I actually, you were one of the reasons that I created a new sort of standard for myself, which is when friends give me feedback or thoughts on a relationship that I'm in, especially if it's like, something that's maybe a little hard to hear that I should just go with that or believe it and trust it because my friends aren't actually trying to like tear my relationships asunder or like (laughs) keep me from being happy. Like that my friends are actually looking out for me and sometimes have a better perspective on what's going on in my life than I do being like in the middle of it and sort of like in the emotional fray. Like my friends from the outside can be like, Hey man, this doesn't seem like a good situation for you it seems like this person's not treating you very well. Maybe you should like, it's
0: not because they're jealous. Yeah. It's not because they're like, jealous. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, I
1: want somebody to be mean to me. Yeah. Like, but that I just sort of, I've, I've taken this new stance of like, you know what? I trust my friends to look out for me and to care about me enough to like, not give me horrid advice, especially when there's like more than one friend that's like, Hey, this doesn't seem like it's great for you. Are you all right? like, So yeah, I've, and it can be hard to like take that and to act on that advice. But I think just like trusting that my, my friends are trying to like see me be happy. Um, yeah, yeah.
0: I've, I've definitely gone taken a risk and gone for somebody who all my friends were like, "Uh, Uh keep your, keep, stay on your toes with that one. Yeah. i don't know what they're like now but (laughs) i do have some opinions from the past i've been like yeah thanks for your feedback everybody but then it's up for the challenge it does haunt you yeah it does haunt you even if you're like okay guys like i have to make my own decisions okay and then you go and what is it my therapist or somebody said like you know just like someone hitting their head with a hammer like eventually it'll it'll be painful enough that you'll stop like (laughs) you you just need to keep hitting yourself in the head with that hammer and then eventually you'll get tired of it you'll get uncomfortable enough that yeah. you will get out of that situation but until then people could tell you a lot of different things yeah. and you may still need to experience it just a little bit more yeah, for it to really sink in
1: but at least they're telling you because I think the worst is when you get out of a terrible situation and then all your friends are like oh yeah I saw that one coming from the beginning
0: Oh yeah, I couldn't
1: believe you were going to go out with them and then whew,
0: well I've, I have friends that have said that and I was like why didn't you tell me and then they're like Oh, we didn't want you to be mad at us I'm like, I will not be like, I may be like, but like, I'm not. Yeah. If you're trying to look out for me because you love me because you're my friend. uh. Better
1: to be grumpy for a week or two than miserable for years.
0: Yeah. Well, Anonymous Butch, thank you for coming on the podcast. This might be a new segment. Anonymous Butch. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.